Sarah set us up brilliantly well. So just headline, if you like, the whole purpose is depth, going deeper together because it's for a goal. The focus is Christ-likeness, that you and I look more and more and sound more and more like our saviour, Jesus. That's why it's life on life. God puts us in a family, so it is literally life on life that we shape each other, we, we sharpen each other. Proverbs says that, we'll come to that in a little bit, as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. We need each other, friends. I need you, you need me. Listen, if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 12. You know, we're, we're relational beings. Whether we agree with that or not, whether we like it or not, we, you and I are relational beings. Why? Because we've been made in God's image and likeness. He's relational. He's utterly relational. We've been made in his image and likeness. We've got different wiring and different perspectives and different personalities, granted. And, and some of us feel like, man, I'm not sure how I relate to people. Hey, do you know what? That's okay. We're all on a journey with that. So regardless of your personality and wiring, you are built for connection. That's what I want to say right out of, out of the gate, if you like. You and I are built for connection. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and starting at verse 12. The body is a unit. I love that. The body is a unit. It's a unit. It's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they actually form one body. So it is with Christ. We're known as Christ's body now on the earth. For we were all baptized. We're going to be baptizing people next week. But we were baptized. We were, we were plonked into. We were drenched. We were immersed into Jesus. You and I together. Baptized by one baptism. One spirit. One body. Whether Jew or Greek. Slave or free. We were all given one spirit to drink. I love this. I just want to pause here for a moment. That shows me that there was no hierarchy in the kingdom. There is no kind of greater or lesser individuals. We've all received one spirit. We've all been baptised by one spirit into one body, that is Jesus. And now there's just wonderful equality. So do you know what? The person you're sat next to this morning is equal to you. Uh, the church we came from, uh, it was beautiful moments. There was my friend Matt that had just got out of prison and he was sat next to a, a police officer. Same family. And you'd look out at times and go, wow, Jesus, look at what you do. Look at what you do. You bring people together in such equality, diversity into one body, and you now call us one. So I want to say, friends, you are, you're designed right from the get-go for connection, for connection. Let's read on a little bit more. Now, the body is made up of not one part, but many. If the foot should say, hey, do you know what? I'm not a hand. Does it then not belong to the body? It would not for that reason be part of the body. Sorry, I've read that a little bit wrong. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't also belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged all the parts of the body exactly where he wants them to be. And if they are all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Pause there again. God has arranged each and every one of us exactly where we're meant to be. And if you're anything like me, you do struggle through life. You go, man, why aren't I an ear? I want to be an eye. I want to be an elbow. I want to be a little foot, a little foot, little toe. 
I'm using that body illustrations, but we look at one another and we often feel threatened. Why don't I like him or like her? Why don't I have those gifts or these gifts? Your life is not random, friends. God has arranged you in his body exactly where you're meant to be. And without you, the body is, is lesser. It's weakened. I love what Paul does. He, he presents the body of Christ as it's interconnected, with like life on life. That's why we're calling it that. We're not just a corporation, man. We're not some sort of weird organisation. We're a family. We're the family of God. 1 Peter says, we were once not a people, but now we're the people of God. We had once not received mercy, but now we've received mercy. You and I together shine the light and the reality of Jesus to a dark and broken world. We're built for connection. We are built for connection. Ephesians 2.22 says, God is building us together like living stones to become the place where he lives. Just think about that for a minute. We're not just kind of happen chanced next to each other. No, God is building us together like living stones. He's making a brand new temple on the earth. And it's so far greater than the temple that we see in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament before Jesus. This temple, just look at people around you for a minute. It's okay. You don't have to be nervous. You can look at them however you want to look at them. Stick your tongue out, do whatever you want to do. But you are the people, you are living stones. God has chosen you as a living brick to build into his house where we connect together, where he lives by his spirit. You want to find where God is? Look at the church. You want to know God? Obviously, we look at the face of Jesus. You want to know what God looks like? It looks like a load of redeemed people being brought together where God lives by his spirit. (laughs) If we had time to hear every single story in this room, man, we'd believe God. (laughs) We'd believe God more. We'd be absolutely dumbfounded what God has done. Just my story, just your story, just your story, just your story. Unbelievable! He's brought us together because he lives amongst us. You know, anything we want to go after, life on life, whatever we do in city, whatever we do as a community, we want to see it first modelled in the life of Jesus. Yeah, we want to see, hey Jesus, where are you in this? Where are you when we're talking about family? Where are you when we're talking about the body and the, the church? Where are you? Well, he modelled something. He lived from a base. And this base was like 12 people. This was his crew. This was his gang. This was his family. This, I think he modelled something to, to us today. That this is what I want life to look like. Life on life. We're going to do life together. You're going to ask me questions. Ultimately, the plan of Jesus with his friends was they would actually look like him. Greater things you're going to do in my name. But I want you to look like me. I want you to sound like me. So he, he sets it all up. So we see it in the life of Jesus and he models relationship and depth of relationship really well. Only Jesus could say to one of his friends, get behind me, Satan. You got any good friendships you can say that to? I have. I probably wouldn't say get behind me, Satan. But Jesus knew his friends so much and he was creating this relational depth where they could, you think of what the disciples did at times and what they said. Lord, shall we burn them? Should we send fire? He's like, no. You know, they, they built something together. But I think he models something to us in, in the small. We'll come to that in a little while. You know, I want to say, hey, when we're thinking about going after depth and stuff like that, man, this isn't just about six weeks. 
and then we move on to the next topic. This isn't just about a moment now. This is about something that we commit the rest of our lives to. I, I, I longed to belong to a family like this. With all its weirdness, we're all a bit odd. We are. I longed. When at the moment I stepped into a group of people called the church, I was like, man, where have you been all my life? I long to be connected to a group of people like this. But the danger is we can like want to belong to everyone. I want to know everyone at the same depth. And man, that's exhausting. And you can't. Like the body, I did this first service as well. Like on your hand are these things called fingers and a thumb. They kind of live right alongside each other. But they're connected to the wider body, to the bigger body, to the greater body. So we are connected to brothers and sisters and other believers all over the world but we find ourselves here together, fingers on a hand. But then some of us are just like two fingers next to each other on the same hand. So who is in your world? Who is in your life? Who is up close and personal that you can do life on life with? A friend of mine once said to me, hey, San, because he knows who I'm, what I'm like. I, man, I want to connect at depth with everyone. I, I don't like playing around in the shallows. I just don't. Like some of my fondest memories as a kid is playing in the sea, but it's swimming out and it's getting smashed around by the waves. Not just sitting, splashing yourself in the shallows. It's boring. And I'm like that with life. Man, I want to go deep with you. I, I can't really do surface chats. I can do it for a little while, but I want to go deep. But I try to do that with everyone I'm in contact with. Can we now be best friends? What about you? Best friends? Can we be best friends? I'm like a big puppy. Now, a friend of mine said to me once, Sen, you can't know everyone, but it's important that you know someone. And it stayed with me. And that's what I want to say to us. Man, we, we can belong here. We can belong as a wider family, beautiful. But we can't have the same depth of relationship with every single one of us. But, but you can know someone. Like Sarah said, we, we use phrases like, we want to be seen, heard, known, championed, challenged. Man, we don't want that just as a slogan on a website. Gosh, no. I want my friend James there to be amongst us and say, man, I, I feel seen here. I feel known here. I feel challenged here. I feel loved here. But I think Jesus sets it up with 12. And even within the 12, there's the three, Peter, James, and John, that seem to go to a deeper level again. So who might be the Peter, James, and John in your life? or the Shari and Marion and Lisa in your life? They're not in the Bible, by the way. But who are the people in your life? Might be in the message. Who are the people in your life that you're going, man, this is, this is my crew, this is my gang, these are the people that... Uh, I mean, my friend said to me, you know the people you go to real depth with? Th those people, like... If you accidentally killed someone... So I was... <laughs> I shouldn't really say that. We're in church. But those people, if you did the, this, the worst thing, like, like you made the horriblest mistake, who's that person you'd go to? Who's that person you'd run to? Of course we say, well, it's the Lord. It's always the Lord. Like the answer for every question is Jesus. We know that. But I'm talking, let's get under the bonnet a little bit more. Like when you, when you make mistakes, when you're hurting and you're bruised, who do you run to? Who are those people right alongside do you know what? We are built for commitment as well. Built for connection, built for commitment. 
Some of us don't think we are, but we are. We live in a society that isn't very committed to each other anymore. But I've come to realise, before I knew Jesus, I wasn't committed to anything. I'm looking at my, my wife knows that. Because I'd fleet with everything, you know, I'd, uh, I'd want, I, I'm going to start doing this, I'm going to start playing drums. Phil helped me set up a drum kit to start playing drums. Didn't play drums any longer, then moved on to something. I fleet with everything and anything if I'm not careful. But I know I'm built for commitment. And the commitment is to you guys, to one another. I'm built for that and you're built for that. I know it comes hard, I know it's difficult. Because we, we don't know how to take each other at times, but we're built for commitment. And real depth needs time and space. Commitment is expressed with time and space. Some of my closest friends are those simply because of time and space. People I've walked decades with. Time and space goes well beyond just one gathering, just one hour's service once a week. Man, this is just like the tip of an iceberg, there needs to be stuff under the surface. So I want to ask you, like, what does commitment look like for you? Something you struggle with? Do you find it hard because you've been let down? Hard to trust people now? But you know what? You can take to personal responsibility. I, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm speaking to myself right now. I want, to hold, I want you to hold me to account to this. Like, I want to be committed to you. I want to be committed to my friends. Commitment. This guy called... Um, Francis Chan, he used this illustration in a book called Letters to the Church of one of the elders in his church used to be in a gang. Um, and he said that actually gang life was really like a family. Like the commitment level was 100%. And you are committed to that gang for the rest of your life. And he said once he, he got saved, he got saved in prison. And when he started exploring church life, he was like, oh, I thought it was meant to be a family. Actually, I was, I was experiencing more connection to family in the gang I was part of. And, and he's given his life now to help f- church feel like a family, like a, he says, like a gang. He said, and it's much like a gang, but he says, without the drugs and murder. But, it's, but in terms of the camaraderie and the connection and the, oh no, you don't leave gang. You don't leave your gang. So he, he likens it to, you can imagine people going, hey, how was gang last week? But that's what we do. How's gang? Our gang was cool. Yeah, I couldn't be bothered to be at gang this week. No, no gang would let you do that. But somehow in the church, we sort of live in this consumer-driven society. Where it's like, hey, how was church? I don't know. I watched it online. I, I just listened to podcasts. We don't, we would never let ourselves get away with that. Like, no, I'm committed. I'm committed to family. Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 4, it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't give up meeting together. doesn't say, don't give up going to meetings together. It says, don't give up meeting together. So this run of city groups, man, it's six weeks. But from there, who knows where you'll find each other. We, we pray it'll be like jumping in somewhere and you're going, hey, I'm getting to know these people. I'm going deeper. And it'll lead to weeks and weeks and weeks of getting to know one another. Commitment. Jesus was 100% committed to us. We have to see, like, we live in a fickle culture right now where a lot of friendships are formed online. I'm not talking about dating apps and stuff. I'm talking about social media platforms. That you hear people, man, you have got 500 friends. How many actual friends does that equate to? Like, I want actual friends. And I know here I've got actual friends that actually love me, that actually spend time with me. 
So I just want to throw it out there. Who are you doing life with? A guy called John Groves, who I love, love very much, church leader that I've known for many years. He says, the church isn't a place you go to. It's a people you belong to. We belong together, friends. Committed and we're connected. Being vulnerable. You know, to know people deeply, to be known deeply, means exercising some level of vulnerability. And I know we all jump in at different parts here. You know, this is something that probably doesn't come naturally to everyone. Even when I say the word vulnerability, there's this, oh, gosh, maybe your heart's been broken somehow. You've tried it before. Doors have been shut. I don't know. But for some, it can be like a really daunting thought, can't it? Being vulnerable with someone. Maybe because it hasn't been modelled to you. Maybe it's been done badly. Um, Britain, you know, we are pretty good at being stoic and stiff up a lip. I remember when my friend, my first friend was killed on a motorbike. Like one of my friends just went, chin up, mate. Chin up. Didn't help. Like didn't help. We know that we're not very good at this. You know, personally, I, I don't find vulnerability that difficult. M, M knows that. And a lot of my family know that. I'm an oversharer. And I, that comes naturally. But I, don't, I, I say that because I know there's still stuff in my heart that needs healing. The reason why I do that often is because, man, I just want to belong. Like, Andy, can I belong to you, bro? I want to belong to friends. And, and sometimes I do that out of nervousness and, oh gosh, I've shared a bit much, haven't I? Ooh. When we were first in small group together, you know, I, I, I want to take the Bible, literally, where it needs to be taken literally, right? But where it says, confess your sins to one another, freshly saved, turn up at midweek small group, picture the scene. They just want to play around in the shallows. I won't say it. I'm confessing my sin. I'm confessing. Just confessing. And then dying. <laughs> like, do that with Brian. Just you and Brian. So we know we find it difficult. Some related things, related words, exposure. Vulnerability means exposing your heart. This is the real me. I want you to see into my heart. This is, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what life currently looks like for me. It means being authentic, presenting the real you and letting someone else see the real you. It's scary, isn't it? It means living life in the open, like with nowhere to hide. Man, I'm in an open field and my friends are looking at me right now. That's why it's frightening. That's why it's frightening. Think about this, you know, when someone starts to cry, the first response often is for them to apologise. You know, it's true. When someone's quite, I, I watch people as well, ladies do just be, most beautiful makeup, getting the tissue like right in the corners just to stop any of the duck. Like, it mustn't leak anywhere. And I get it. You don't want to look like a clown after crying. I get that. But there's, I think there's something attached to shame that the reason why we're doing that is, man, I can't let someone see my heart right now. And often it's affirmed because the person that they're crying in front of goes, come on. Shh, come on. It's okay. It might not be okay. Hence them crying. <laughs> like at a funeral. At a funeral. The amount of times that people are trying to hold back emotions when David in the Bible, he taught the people of Israel to lament. 
We need to teach each other to lament. You know, some of my most profound moments are sobbing, holding another brother or family member, just crying. It's healing for the soul, man. Healing. But it's okay being vulnerable. And the reason why we fear this is because we fear failure. I fear failure all the pigging time. All the time. And it's rubbish. God, God's welcomed me home. God's welcomed us home. And it's okay to crack our hearts open. We worry what people think. What if you don't like me, if you see the real me? Maybe you don't like yourself. It takes real humility and real trust as well. I just want to move on to transformation because this really is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's all well and good to, to share, to be vulnerable. But do you know what? God doesn't want to leave us there. I have not been saved to be the same. I have been saved to look like him. To be transformed into the image and nature that was designed right from the very start. Jesus died not only to forgive me and to wash me, but to get his presence and himself back inside of me. The nature and the presence of God. The Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory. Gosh, Christ in you is the hope for everyone around you. Everyone around you. Every circumstance, every situation you find yourself in, Christ in you is the hope. Katie, Christ in you has been your hope for your life. Christ in you will continue to be your hope. Christ in me will continue to be my hope. So it's for transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, unveiled, we don't have to come into God's presence with veils on, we just freely come. Hey, Father, I'm coming because of Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. We come and we behold the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed into the same image from glory to to glory, from glory to glory. I've had the privilege of walking alongside a few guys that have given their lives to Jesus recently and I'm seeing them going from glory to glory. You know, they're dealing with stuff, I'm dealing with stuff, but together we're going from glory to glory. It's never okay. Like, I've got people, friends in my life that love me enough to hear my vulnerability, but they don't go, "Mm, sucks to be you. That's never how it ends. Never how it ends. I haven't got Job's friends in my life. I've got like godly, like spirit-filled, secure in their identity friends in my life that when I go, man, this is what I feel like, they go, hey, but this is who you are. This is who you are. You know, I'm not content with how I am. The who I am is settled. Like I'm a son of God, I'm redeemed, I'm washed, I'm brand new. Never to be changed, never to be unaccepted by God, eternally loved. But the how I am, that is on a constant change. And do you know how we help each other? By renewing this, by renewing how we think. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, full of fear. It doesn't say that I'm at it. It's fear, holding people arm's length, judging with agendas. Don't, don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of how you think. That's how our lives change. We don't just recite things over each other. We think from the the real place where we live. It says in Colossians 3, set your heart and mind on things above where Christ is seated, for you died and your life is now hidden with God. 
Amazing. That's where your true home is. So we need to start thinking from that place and helping one another. I have friends all the time. One of my closest friends. Sometimes we're, we're kind of ranting at each other, but we never leave each other in our stuff. It's always like, but Jesus is so amazing. He so loves us. He's so changing us. You know, if you've given your heart to Jesus, the Bible says you've been given every spiritual blessing. Abundant life is on offer for you right now. That doesn't mean you're going to receive everything you you want. That just means your soul can be at peace. Abundant life can mean you can live in the goodness of what Jesus won for you at the cross. Jesus died to bring you home. Not to just wash you, as wonderful as that is, but we limit the gospel when we leave it there. Jesus died to bring us all the way home, right to the Father, and to live with us and come and live and abide in us. So it's for transformation that we all together go, man, I'm his and he is mine and he's changing me. I'm going from glory to glory. And we need each other. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow him. Imitate my way of life as I imitate Jesus. I love that. Surround yourselves with people that look like Jesus. Genuinely, look for those people in your life that look like Jesus. Say, man, can I, can I just hang with you a little bit? I want to learn from you. I love spending time with this man, Andy. Like Every time I come away from any time with you, Andy, I, f- I think about Jesus more. I'm like, man, I want to think about Jesus more. Who are those people in your life that look like Jesus, that sound like Jesus? Spend time with them because we're all on this transformation journey. You're going to look like him fully one day anyway. He's just, man, there's a work in progress on your heart right now. And then lastly, just to leave us with, let's live in love. Like in and through it all, I can be the, I can be the most judgmental person you'll ever meet. I know I don't look that way, but I criticise and judge everything if I'm not careful. But I want to see people as Jesus sees them. Sean Bowles has this quote, he says, God invites us to see into his heart, and when we see what he sees, we begin to love as he loves. So that's the journey. 1 John seems to allude to it, plays with words, it says, God is love. Those who live in love live in God. And actually, if you live in God, you must love, you live in love. So I want to encourage us all, let's, let's bear with each other, let's forgive each other, let's love each other. The Bible says let's greet each other with a holy kiss. We can do that appropriately. Carry each other's burdens. Forgive as the Lord forgives. Above it all, it says in Colossians, put on love that binds everything else together in perfect harmony. Can you stand with me? I'm going to pray and close.